If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Chocolate can be your strength. I've been searching high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. So I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. But you need to eat five or more ordinary dark chocolate bars every day to match the flavanols consumed in most of these studies. Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate Cocoa Powder and beverages deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I'm your host, Layla Mudin. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist here in New York. Thanks for downloading these podcast episodes, and thank you for visiting drhoffman.com. You can access all of our newsletter articles. You can subscribe to the newsletter, the Intelligent Medicine newsletter. It's free. You can sign up, and you can, you can unsubscribe at any time. If you'd like to make an appointment... Please call our office and talk to Liz, 212 779 1744. That's 212 779 1744. It was brought to my attention this lovely review article at uh, www.co endocrinology.com. It's a review article. And it's about statin therapy. They say that statin therapy is not warranted for a person with high LDL cholesterol while they're on a low-carbohydrate diet. Statin therapy, taking Lipitor, Crestor, Zocor, is not warranted for a person with high LDL cholesterol on a low-carb diet. Now, what is the purpose of this review? Although there is an extensive, there is extensive literature on the efficacy of the low-carb diet for weight loss and the management of type 2 diabetes, concerns have been raised that the low-carb diet may increase cardiovascular disease risk by increasing the level of LDL cholesterol. So what these researchers have done is they've assessed the value of LDL as a cardiovascular disease risk factor, as well as the effects of a low-carb diet on other cardiovascular disease risk factors. And they've also reviewed findings that provide guidance as to whether statin therapy would be beneficial for individuals with high LDL on a low-carb diet. So I'll tell you 
what they found that multiple longitudinal trials have demonstrated the safety and effectiveness of the low carb diet while also providing evidence of improvements in the most reliable cardiovascular disease risk factors. And recent findings have also confirmed how ineffective LDL cholesterol is in predicting cardiovascular disease risk. Now, way back in 1973, Dr. Robert Atkins was called to testify before the U.S. Senate Select Committee on Nutrition and Human Needs. And the committee was charged with investigating, amongst others, the eponymously named high-fat Atkins diet, which was considered nutritionally unsound and potentially dangerous. So, And they stated, uh, Dr. Fred Stair, for example, the chairman of Harvard's Department of Nutrition stated, any diet which tends to be high in saturated fat and cholesterol tends to elevate the chance the individual will get heart disease. This viewpoint on the potential hazards of the Atkins diet was expressed that year in an editorial in the Journal of the American Medical Association, which stated, quote, Perhaps the greatest danger of the Atkins diet is related to hyperlipidemia, which may be induced by such a regimen, which could be responsible for accelerating atherosclerosis, that is the clogging of coronary arteries. These concerns with an Atkins that is a low-carbohydrate diet expressed 50 years ago have still persisted as evidenced by the recent proclamation by the National Lipid Association Nutrition and Lifestyle Task Force that long-term consumption of the low-carb diet increases the risk of all-cause and cardiovascular mortality. So this is still going on and on. Now, the concerns with the safety of the low-carb diet are based in part on the diet heart hypothesis. Remember that? Ansel Keys did this, you know, the seven-country study. Well, did you know that his, his original study included 22 countries, but he had to whittle it down to seven because those other countries did not fit his narrative? So the safety of the low-carb diet are based in part on the diet-heart hypothesis, which postulates that unrestricted consumption of saturated fat from animal fat and tropical oils on a low-carb diet may raise serum cholesterol levels, thereby increasing one's risk of developing cardiovascular disease. This hypothesis, however, has failed to receive empirical support with decades of scholarly critiques of its flaws. These researchers concur that the diet-heart hypothesis survives only because its proponents, quote, selectively cite evidence that validates their own viewpoint while disregarding evidence to the contrary. Sound familiar, folks? Like things that are going on today? Hmm. Now, An extension 
of the diet heart hypothesis is the view that an elevated level of LDL cholesterol under any circumstance is unequivocally recognized as the principal driving force in the development of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and that the key initiating event in atherogenesis is the retention of this LDL cholesterol within the arterial wall. This perspective on LDL cholesterol has inherent, as inherently atherogenic has been the driving force in recent concerns that a low-carb diet induced increase in LDL cholesterol increases one risk factor for developing cardiovascular disease. Now, it is known that the low-carb diet improves many heart disease-relevant biomarkers, but it is not known with certainty if an increase in LDL cholesterol on a low-carb diet is proatherogenic. Again, it is not known with certainty if increases in LDL cholesterol on a low-carb diet is causing the clogging of coronary arteries. If it is that, or if it is neutral, or even if it is beneficial. The researchers say that the basis of our lack of knowledge on this issue is the absence of any published long-term clinical trials which have characterized hard coronary events. For example, a heart attack, stroke, or coronary death in people who develop high LDL cholesterol on a low-carb diet. Therefore, despite the concerns expressed repeatedly over the past five decades, there is no conclusive research to indicate whether an increase in LDL cholesterol for someone on a low-carb diet has any effect, beneficial or harmful, on cardiovascular disease outcomes. So what they've done, these researchers have approached the issue of LDL cholesterol concerns on a low-carb diet with the following strategy. First, they evaluated the dogmatic view held by various heart disease organizations that high LDL cholesterol is inherently atherogenic. Second, they've reviewed research on measures which are superior to LDL cholesterol, such as insulin resistance and LDL particle subtypes, like small pattern B, which is small dense atherogenic LDL, as markers of cardiovascular disease risk. And third, they've reviewed findings that demonstrate the low-carb diet improves all biomarkers which are strongly associated with cardiovascular disease. And lastly, while there is active debate about the merits of cholesterol drug therapy, of statin therapy, in the primary prevention of cardiovascular disease, what primary prevention means is taking a statin to prevent a heart attack. You've not had a heart attack. 
That would be secondary prevention. If you've already had a heart attack and then you're on a and on statin, that is secondary prevention. Primary prevention means you've had no heart attack, you've had no stroke, you've had no cardiac event whatsoever, and they're giving you a statin. This is called primary prevention. So while there is active debate about the merits of statin therapy in primary prevention of cardiovascular disease, statin therapy in second in secondary prevention trials and in high-risk populations such as those with type 2 diabetes have reported a small coronary event and mortality absolute risk benefit. They've addressed whether this modest benefit of statin treatment can be attributed to the lowering of LDL per se or through other mechanisms. And more importantly, they've evaluated whether the benefit of statin treatment reported in clinical trials can be extended to people on a low-carb diet with elevated LDL. So in 1985, Brown and Goldstein received the Nobel Prize for their research on LDL cholesterol in people with familial hypercholesterolemia. These people have a genetic tendency to have high cholesterol. And they discovered this genetic condition involves impaired binding of LDL to its membrane receptor. Remember, molecules need membrane, they need receptors to latch on, right? So this genetic impairment, which causes the familial hypercholesterolemia, this genetic condition involves the impaired binding of LDL to its membrane receptor, which then, of course, results in dramatically elevated serum LDL levels. When the LDL is unable to bind to its membrane receptor because of this genetic glitch, the body makes wants to make more LDL in an effort to make it bind already. You see how the body is trying to write this mutation? And because people with this familial hypercholesterolemia they exhibited they exhibited exhibited premature cardiovascular disease brown and goldstein declared that there was a causal relation between an elevated level of circulating ldl and atherosclerosis thereby providing support for the lipid hypothesis which ldl is described as inherently atherogenic Since then, this pejorative view of LDL cholesterol as the bad cholesterol has been promoted by high-profile heart disease organizations such as the American Heart Disease, American Heart Association, as well as the European Atherosclerosis Society, which states LDL is unequivocally recognized as the principal driving force in the development of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. However, studies on the familial hypercholesterolemia population provide an extensive literature highlighting inconsistencies with the lipid hypothesis. For example, and this is really interesting, 
If LDL cholesterol is inherently atherogenic, is inherently causing the clogging of arteries, the burden of atherosclerosis should increase with the time of exposure to LDL, right? That is, cardiovascular death would be predicted to increase with age as a direct consequence of the time of exposure to LDL cholesterol. But get this, to the contrary, cardiovascular disease death in these individuals with with familial hypercholesterolemia declines with age. So after a lifetime of exposure to super high LDL cholesterol, the elderly population with this genetic glitch has a much lower death rate from cardiovascular disease. This finding directly conflicts with the dual component hypothesis that LDL cholesterol is inherently atherogenic and that cardiovascular risk increases with the duration of LDL exposure. That elderly familial hypercholesterolemia individuals exposed to decades of high LDL cholesterol demonstrate no increase in cardiovascular disease mortality, as well as no increase in morbidity, for example, ischemic stroke, compared to the general population who don't have this genetic glitch, undermines the lipid hypothesis. That is, that high LDL is inherently atherogenic. So here we have a confounder. And further challenging to the lipid hypothesis is that these individuals with a genetic glitch have a lifetime all-cause mortality rate which is equivalent to or even lower than that of the general population. So, this is very interesting. So, here is, here is more. LDL cholesterol is an important component of the immune system. Hey, did you know that? Does your cardiologist know that? I'll bet you do, but your cardiologist doesn't. Let me repeat that. LDL is an important component of the immune system. And did you know that LDL, that cholesterol is classified as an antioxidant? And that chronically elevated LDL cholesterol levels may enhance aspects of immune function, thereby lowering rates of mortality from cancer and infection. And in related work, elevated LDL cholesterol may protect against bacterial infection, which can promote the development of atherosclerosis. And third, these, these individuals with the genetic glitch that cause the familial hypercholesterolemia, either through lifestyle cho choices or favorable genetics, have a relatively low rate of type 2 diabetes which we know is in and of itself is a significant risk factor for cardiovascular disease. So this may explain, these observations may explain why those with familial hypercholesterolemia do not face an increased risk of cardiovascular disease death with advanced age, as well as greater, more, greater longevity of people in the, great, in the general population with high LDL 
compared to those with low LDL. And despite several influential heart disease organizations holding the position that LDL cholesterol is a, co is a cause of cardiovascular disease, it has long been recognized that LDL cholesterol is a poor marker of risk for cardiovascular disease, as well as cardiovascular and all-cause mortality. For example, calcification within coronary arteries, in contrast to LDL cholesterol, is a reliable measure of CVD risk. Coronary artery calcium scoring. You know that EBT heart scan that Dr. Hoffman is always sending patients to who because they come screaming to us, pulling their hair out, saying, my doctor wants to put me on a statin. I don't want to go on it. Dr. Hoffman will say, I will even recommend, go get an EBT heart scan. That's the coronary artery calcium scoring test. It is proven to be the single best predictor of fatal and non-fatal coronary events, including coronary uh, vascular disease risk in diabetic and non-diabetic patients, as well as in young, middle-aged, and elderly patients. Coronary <coughs> artery calcium scoring also excels at long-term risk prediction over periods of more than a decade. Moreover, among those with genetically confirmed familial hypercholesterolemia, approximately half showed no detectable coronary artery calcium, and had favorable prognosis despite their elevated LDL levels. Now, the superiority of something like an EBT heart scan to LDL cholesterol in relation to plaque development, as well as coronary events in, in high-risk patients, was demonstrated recently in a study, and these investigators identified coronary artery calcium levels as being superior to and independent of LDL cholesterol. In related work reported that coronary events in statin-treated patients were associated with increased coronary artery calcium scores and were unrelated to on-treatment LDL. Moreover, these investigators found that the ascending gradient of coronary artery calcium scores, that the, the fact that they were going up was associated with increases in fasting glucose and not in people treated for the LDL. So what's going on there? What's the statin doing that's causing higher coronary artery calcium scores, it messes with vitamin K. You need vitamin K to keep those calcifications out. But if your Lipitor Zocor Crestor is messing with your vitamin K status and reducing it, you're getting more coronary artery plaque. That's why some studies have indicated that statin therapy is causing the plaque. So, um, I'm going to carry this on in a part two because this is so compelling. This review work is so compelling that I need to continue and talk to you more about the risk factors and, and how, you know, the association of LDL to 
coronary artery calcium is may not be there. So stay tuned next week on another edition of Layla Weighs In here on Intelligent Medicine. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Healthy Aging, providing you with the unique energy support of Pure NT Factor. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years with a 45-day money-back guarantee of nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800-982-9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.